Words hold immense power. Those who wield them with grace and precision are able to persuade others, diffuse conflict, make a lasting impression, and unlock life-changing opportunities. But how do you move from being an average conversationalist to an eloquent force to be reckoned with? Well, why not take some lessons from the most skilled communicators in history? Come along as we study those who have a way with words, from poets and public speakers to authors and philosophers. It's time to level up your communication skills. Welcome to A Better Way to Say. Hello, my lovely listeners. Welcome. It is that time of the week where you become a more skilled and magnetic communicator. Today, we are continuing that journey to cultivate an interesting and memorable voice by building an impressive vocabulary. Now, when I say impressive, I don't mean words that are showy or extravagant. I mean words that perfectly capture the meaning you're trying to convey. So whether it's a short word or a long one, it's the ideal word that gets your point across. If there's anyone who had a talent for word choice, it is F. Scott Fitzgerald, one of America's greatest novelists. The Great Gatsby is his most famous work, without a doubt, and it's beautiful, but I've been reading his short stories lately, and the way he writes is so elegant. If I could blend up his writing and drink it, I would. It's just that good. Reading through, I've been picking up some new vocabulary words like plaintive, which means sounding sad and mournful and diaphanous, which refers to fabric, and it means light and delicate. Can't wait to tell a woman I love her diaphanous dress the next time I'm out and about. There's lots to learn from the glamorous and somewhat tragic F. Scott Fitzgerald, so let's begin with a little bit of background to set the scene, and then I'll hop into the lessons on building your vocabulary. All right, you probably know Fitzgerald as the author of The Great Gatsby, but before this, he wrote This Side of Paradise. This was in 1920, and he was propelled into fame after this. He became known almost as the voice of the young generation in this jazz age. And I was reading about this post-World War I generation and how it was finding its own identity, breaking away from the past, Well, Fitzgerald and his wife Zelda became symbols of the decadence and glamour of this time period. They didn't have a storybook life. He dealt with issues from alcoholism to his wife's mental breakdown, which she never recovered from. But Fitzgerald did leave behind beautiful works like his magnum opus, the one we all know, The Great Gatsby, and others like Tender is the Night. He once said, the world only exists in your eyes. You can make it as big or as small as you want. Now, like many of his quotes, this is a short one, but it's full of weight and meaning. For our purposes, I want to look at it from the lens of communication. Words are the building blocks of language. The more you expand your vocabulary, the more tools you have at your disposal to shape the world around you. I say it at the top of every show, words hold immense power. 
so I, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, how can you express yourself fully if you don't have the words needed to convey your thoughts, to really bring them to life? And this is why building up your vocabulary is crucial. Just like Fitzgerald's quote suggests, you have the ability to make the world as big or as small as you desire. And by cultivating your vocabulary, you can paint the most vibrant and captivating picture of your thoughts. So whatever you want to do, whether it's land a job or inspire someone or get someone to take a chance on you, whatever your communication goal is, building up your vocabulary is going to support this, which is why I have five steps on how to do exactly that. So let's get into it. Step number one is to evaluate your current vocabulary. The goal of building up a vocabulary is a worthy one, but it's important to tailor this goal to your specific needs. Here's what I mean. We all have different vocabularies, different levels, different words that we've collected from our past experiences, from what we've studied, from the areas we've traveled in. So we're at different starting points. You might excel in one area, but need work in another. For instance, I have a friend who is skilled in speaking about the technical parts of his job, and he can paint a clear picture of what he does and explain it accurately. But when asked about why he likes a certain pop culture item, he's unable to articulate that with clear vocabulary. So I know if I asked him, oh, why do you like that show you're always talking about? He would just say something like, oh, it's just really good. So The first step is to figure out where you are falling flat. Go through conversations and listen to yourself almost like you are a third party observer. And you'll start to understand the places where you struggle to find the right word and the words that you tend to overuse. For example, when someone asks you, how was that event? Or what did you think of the movie? And if your go-to answer is always the same, group of adjectives so it was good or it was great or it was okay but you aren't really able to pull and say anything else out of those go-to words then this could be a signal that you lack a wide range of adjectives to use another common problem is you might struggle to encapsulate your emotions with proper vocabulary Fitzgerald could bring to life what a character was feeling with the perfect words I wrote this example down from one of his short stories. It's called The Offshore Pirate. And he writes, quote, He chuckled and then stopped rather abashed as her cold anger seemed to fold him about and chill him. And that is leaps and bounds above saying he could tell she was angry. Now, you don't need to speak always as if you're writing a beautiful novel, but you do want to speak in a way that accurately and vividly communicates your message. So how can you do this? Well, based on your self-evaluation, after analyzing some of your conversations, you should set a few goals for your vocabulary. Remember we talked about tailoring this goal to your needs. Maybe you notice that you don't have a lot of adjectives to pull from. This is a really common vocabulary gap. People tend to rely on the same 10 or so words to describe everything. So cool, good, bad, 
fun, great, boring, pretty, you get the picture. If you notice that about yourself, then one of your vocabulary goals could be to drastically expand your library of adjectives so that you have more options. Other goals could include things like expanding your vocabulary around terms in your industry so that you can progress forward in your career, or you might want something more around your emotions, like becoming better at explaining your emotions with more descriptive words, and so you'll tailor your vocab goal towards that. Whatever your goal is, you're going to need some building blocks to help you get there. And this brings up our second step, which is to read widely. I want you to picture a feast at a long table. The table is overflowing with delectable food and you're able to fill your plate with whatever courses you want. This lavish meal represents the masterpieces of the past, the books overflowing with beautiful writing, with timeless wisdom that's available to you in an instant. In my mind, neglecting to read is like passing up this feast that was laid out for you. There's so much knowledge to be gained from the work of others, and reading offers this way to immerse yourself in the world of words. This is something that Fitzgerald did from a very young age. His father actually read him English poetry when he was a boy, and he carried this love of poetry, specifically the English poets, with him throughout his life. John Keats, in particular, influenced Fitzgerald as a writer and spoke to his soul. He once wrote in a letter to his daughter about Keats' poems, saying, the Nightingale, which I can never read through without tears in my eyes, and The Eve of St. Agnes, which has the richest, most sensuous imagery in English, not accepting Shakespeare. So he found writers that really moved him, and that's the goal when you read. Find writers that speak to you so that you're drawn in by them and you find reading to be pleasurable and not a chore. So I really urge you to look for authors that stir something within you the way that Keats stirred something within Fitzgerald. Of course, Fitzgerald read more than poetry. He was influenced by other authors like Joseph Conrad, and he was also involved in some literary clubs during his time at Princeton, which if you didn't know, I didn't know this until I looked into his life, but he never completed Princeton. He dropped out junior year with bad grades and He wasn't an amazing student, but he excelled socially there, and obviously he was a skilled writer. I love reading Fitzgerald because his writing is elegant, it's powerful, he chooses words with precision. Take this quote from The Great Gatsby, for example, where he writes, I was within and without, simultaneously enchanted and repelled by the inexhaustible variety of life. Or another quote from his short story, The Offshore Pirate, where he writes, Afterwards, they walk slowly back together, while on the corners, twilight played at somnolent black and white checkers with the end of the day. Somnolent means sleepy. You can add that to your word bank. But there's clarity and there's weight to the sentences because of the words that Fitzgerald used. 
Words like enchanted and repelled, they stick in our minds. And you want to make sure your words do the same. So you need to read often. And I want to discuss with you how to do it. Because I know read more is something we probably all have on our list, but how do we actually put this into practice? I have two pathways of breaking it down to make it a bit simpler. The first is to create a reading list around a specific area of interest. So if, for example, you like learning about psychology, then it makes sense to build up your vocabulary around terms within this niche so that you can speak more authoritatively and more confidently with people who are also interested in this topic. Or maybe your area of interest has more to do with your career or your industry, then you can use this to inform your reading list and research what books the top people in your specific industry recommend and start with those and then again build out from there. The other way to go about creating a reading list is to tailor it to your environment. What topics and ideas and terms dominate the conversation in your city? Here in DC, it makes sense for me to read books about politics and how the government works. So I could start with something foundational like Plato's Republic and then move my way into other political philosophers and then move on to more contemporary books on politics. But this is going to be specific to where you find yourself, what matters in your city, in your area. You can use this as a guide so that as you read, you're building up vocabulary that will be relevant to you in the situations you find yourself in. And this leads me to the next way to increase your vocabulary, which is to interact with intellectuals. Yes, it's time to network and build your vocabulary at the same time. If you missed the episode on networking, we talk all about how to build a network authentically. So I link that in the show notes for you. But really the point here is once you've been reading and gathering up those building blocks that help you speak with confidence, it is now time to build your vocabulary in real time. To do so, interact with people who have better vocabularies than you so that you can learn from them and hear the context in which these words are being used. There is a term in developmental psychology called zone of proximal development. So the zone refers to the space between what the learner can do without assistance and what the learner needs assistance to do. In simple terms, it's the idea that learning happens when individuals engage in activities that are slightly above their natural skill level. So how does this relate to communication? Well, if you want to expand your vocabulary, if you want to become a more skilled communicator, you should spend time speaking with and interacting with people who are slightly better at it than you are. You don't want to be with people who are 10 times better at it than you because you'll just feel lost, but you do want to push yourself a little bit outside of that zone so that you are spending time with people who naturally push you to become a better communicator. Fitzgerald and his wife, Zelda, became this golden couple of the 1920s after he released his novel, This Side of Paradise. And one of the perks of their ascendance was this glimmering social circle. 
Fitzgerald spent time with authors, journalists, screenwriters, and a whole other cast of characters in his heyday. This included renowned writer Gertrude Stein, poet Dorothy Parker, and of course, Ernest Hemingway, who had a complicated rivalry slash relationship going on with Fitzgerald. Luckily, you don't have to be a Roaring Twenties socialite to interact with intellectuals today. So let's talk about how you can do it wherever you find yourself. One way to be in rooms with people who have great vocabulary is to attend events like panels and discussions. Here in DC, there are always panels going on or book releases, open tables, and types of events along these lines. A while back, I went with a friend to a talk by a Harvard professor on the Constitution and how it was being interpreted today. So naturally, I met different legal scholars and people working in law and politics at that event and was able to speak with them, hear terms that I wasn't familiar with, and ultimately learn more because I put myself in that space. Whatever you have an interest in, there are likely events going on around it. So sign up for those email lists so that you get notified about networking events, conferences, places where you can interact with intellectuals in person. Volunteering is also another way to do this. If you volunteer at museums or at organizations that align with your intellectual pursuits, then you also will find yourself speaking more with these people who have great vocabularies and in turn building yours up. If you feel a bit nervous about going to these events, there's more you can do to prepare. And this brings us to step number four, which is to weave vocab building into your daily habits. Every action you take is a vote for the person you wish to become. This is a quote from Atomic Habits by James Clear. The book is full of actionable advice on how to build better habits in your life. And a key idea in it is that little improvements over time compound for impressive results. If you're into self-improvement at all, I highly recommend that book. And when you think about building your vocabulary, I want you to take this approach. Focus on daily improvements that will add up over time. You don't need to go to bed every night reading the dictionary. Instead, you should focus on gradually building up your lexicon so that six months, a year, three years down the road, you speak in an increasingly clear and powerful way that's more interesting to listen to. I realize you have a set daily routine and you know what fits in it and what doesn't. So I'm going to give you a few different options of daily habits that you can implement to build an impressive vocabulary. And then you can pick and choose which of these you want to weave into your natural daily routine. Okay, the first is to build a running vocab list. This one is pretty simple. Every time you come across a word that you don't know, write it down along with the definition. And if you wanna be more organized, you can organize this list into sections. So you'll have one section for adjectives, one for verbs, and one for nouns, or you can just have it as a long running list. The important thing here is that you review the words on it. So pull out the list when you're waiting in line or when you're in the elevator or when you have an urge to 
doom scroll on social media, pull out the list and consult the words so that you every day are putting them in front of your eyes, reading them and internalizing the new vocabulary and what it means. This is really easy to implement, I would say, because it takes no more than a few minutes each day. You can just grab those spare minutes to look at those and skim through the vocab that you're continually adding. Another super simple daily habit is to learn a word of the day. You can use a word of the day app to do this or a newsletter. Worddaily.com is one example of a newsletter that sends a new word to your inbox every day. So you get one word smarter each day and it's quite easy to do. You just open your email. Another daily habit is one we discussed at the start, but it bears repeating and that is reading. So make this part of your daily routine. Try to keep a book or two always on hand. I usually read one book for entertainment and one for learning, and I keep those both easily accessible. But beyond reading books, you can read articles, essays, sign up for newsletters and topics that you're interested in, and read what other people are saying. Fitzgerald read widely from the classics like Shakespeare and Dickens to his contemporaries like T.S. Eliot and Hemingway. He also read lots of magazines and newspapers and often contributed his own short stories to these. So he had a wide range that he was pulling from. And you can do the same by building this reading habit into your life. So maybe you get into the habit of reading a newspaper article in the morning and then reading a chapter of a book when you have a little slow time in the middle of the day. And then at night, you read an entertaining book right before bed. Again, it's your routine, so you determine how to best build reading into it and make it fun so that you view reading as a joy, as a pleasure, and something you look forward to doing. Speaking of fun, another way to build your vocabulary is to play games, word games. My sister loves sending me the iMessage game called Anagrams, where you have to take jumbled up letters and form as many words as you can. And at the end of the game, it will show you all the words that you came up with and then also all the words that your opponent came up with. So you can sometimes learn new words through this way or through other word games if you're into that. Whatever habits you do decide to implement, stick with them so that you can see the effects of your consistency. And if you want to make sure that these words actually stick, you'll need to follow step number five, which is to use your newfound knowledge. Vocabulary is a use it or lose it skill. This means that putting new words to use is essential if you want to solidify your elevated vocabulary. I remember back in the eighth grade, I had vocab class and we would learn 10 to 15 new words every week. My teacher would have all the students stand up and go around the room saying the words, spelling the words, and also using them in sentences. And this helped us become more comfortable with using them in our day-to-day -day lives. You can do something similar without the middle school awkwardness by practicing saying these new words aloud. Pull out your vocab list and say these words out loud along with their meaning so you get comfortable with the pronunciation. You can hear them rolling off your tongue. All right, another way to get comfortable using the new vocabulary words is to write. Great writers are 
masters at selecting the right words. They can paint a picture of a setting that's so vivid you can see it in your mind's eye. They can make you feel a connection with someone who they've crafted all with their words. You can write privately or write for the public, or you can do a little mix of both. I do both. I have a journal that I keep that's just for me, and then I write publicly on my fashion blog where I post articles that anyone can read. And as I read more books and I read people who work in the fashion world, I'm able to weave these new words into my blog articles. So I suggest using writing as an outlet, whether you publish it or not, to crystallize the knowledge that you're building. You need to use the vocabulary so that you remember it. So use it in your conversations and use it in your writing as well. As you build up your vocabulary, you'll become a more confident speaker and you're also going to sound smarter. Of course, there's more to sounding smart than just having a good vocabulary. So if you want five ways to sound intelligent, check out the episode on unlocking your inner intellectual where we study Voltaire. Just open the show notes on this episode in your podcast app for a link that will take you straight there. And before you go, please text this episode to a friend. Your recommendation makes a real difference in helping me reach more people and growing our community. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next episode of A Better Way to Say.